Hello everyone, it's Cole Cruz and you're listening to the KC at the Movies podcast for Wednesday the 29th of May 2019. What's going on, how's everyone doing? Hope your work's been great. Uh, was going to bring this out uh, yesterday, but I figured I wanted to add a little bit of extra onto it. Um, I wanted to watch the uh, Game of Thrones documentary, The Last Watch, because um, I heard that was a... Um, uh, even though even though the finale of Game of Thrones, it feels like that's kind of like the last, you know, uh, remnants we'll get of the original series um, and what, where, when it, what went into it. So um, I'll talk about that a bit first. But today on, today on the podcast, we've got, uh, I must say today, because it's about 20 to 3 in the morning. Um, it's, uh, you know, just still trying to uh, acclimatize in this house, where to try to do the podcast and everything like that. So right now I'm sitting right in smack bang in the middle of the living room. Um, my two housemates are uh, at the gym at the moment, and um, got the house to myself. So this is pretty much the only time I can do it since I don't have a desk yet in my bedroom. Um, and I can't do it outside ever because it's um, it's a ferocious wind. There's a ferocious wind outside, so uh, not 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 much I can do about that. But you know, we're trying to work out everything. Um, uh, seeing if we can get like a different, um, if we can get a desk in, but, uh, as of, as of right now, it's not looking too good. So we're just sitting in the middle of the living room, heater on, cranked up to high, nice and warm, nice and snug. feels like I'm in the middle, in a lodge in the middle of the wilderness with the snow around me. But, uh, you know, making the best of what we got. Uh, it's, it's been good. It's, it's been good, uh. You know, settling into the new the new place. Um, we all we all like. Uh, hopefully, uh, I'd like to hope from them <laughs> that we all like living together. It's pretty fun. Um, but there's um, and we like to get the house clean as well. It's never, it's it's dirty, but then it gets you know we we get to cleaning that after it gets a little too much because um, we do like a clean house and uh, everyone's got weird uh, different work schedules and everything like that. So. Um, one of my housemates, Josh, he, uh, he goes to work at about two and then comes back whenever, like whenever really, like in the night time, come back at like fucking half past one this morning, I'll say this morning. And, uh, my other mate, Jacob, who is, you guys know from the, uh, the, uh, glass podcast, we talked about glass. He, uh, he also lives here as well. He, um. He works sometimes works morning, sometimes works night. So it really depends on what is given to him. And I do sweet fuck all. Um, I was supposed to have a shift this week, I believe, but uh, there's no race day this week. So still working on trying to get that uh, that second money in, you know. Oh uh, yeah. So just gonna review what today's what's on today's podcast. We're gonna talk about Detective Pikachu. We're going to talk about, because uh, I finally saw that, we're going to talk about Greta, and we're going to talk about uh, Booksmart. Finally got around to watching that, and I'll be talking about that later on. Um, I've also got a few things I want to discuss as well. You know, some fun things we can talk about, but uh, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, first of all, I just want to begin by talking, just by talking about The Last Watch. Um... Now, you know, us Game of Thrones fans, sorry to get back into Game of Thrones again, but this is, I swear this is the last time this year we'll be talking about Game of Thrones. 
unless I watch that prequel series, I think it's called Blood Moon in June. Don't know if I will, I'd, but uh, we'll see what happens. I'm definitely probably going to read the books, though. Might, get that, might start that soon. But uh, this ain't a book-reading podcast. It's a bloody TV-watching podcast and a movie-watching podcast. So, The Last Watch, Game of Thrones. Um, Two-hour-long documentary. Um, it's... Um, Directed by the executive producer, um, uh, I think her name is Bernie Heffield. Bernie, hang on a second, let me just grab her full name here. Nah, hang on a second, hold on a second. Anyway, it's uh, directed by her. It's two hours long, and it goes for the whole process of the last season, like the. The making of the behind the scenes, you get a lot of perspective from the for the different actors. Um, you get a lot of time with Kit Harrington, Millie Clark. You get the whole, you get some table reads from season one. You get like one kind of table from season one, and then you get a lot of table reads from. Um, uh, you get about a couple of table reads from season eight, and um, that includes the. Uh, I believe that includes episode three. You get and you get episode four, and then you get the finale. Um, you get the cool reactions of uh, of Kit reacting to him. Um, spoilers for Game of Thrones if you're, you know, if you haven't watched it yet. But um, so this is this is your spoiler warning. I'm going to give it to you right now. This is your spoiler warning. I'm going to spoil Game of Thrones when Jon Snow uh, kill or Aegon Targaryen kills um, Danny. You can see his reaction to that, and then Amelia's reaction to that, and um, <laughs> I guess that was cool to see. And then uh, you got everyone reacting to a lot, like Lena Headey's reacting to it as well. You got Nicolaj reacting to it, uh, Peter Conliffe Hill reading his death scene, who um, he plays Varys. And then you 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 kind of go over the episodes, and, I, and it looks like they didn't do everything in chronological order, which is which is yeah, which is pretty normal when it comes to production. Um, you pretty much do whatever is feasible and whatever, um, needs to be done. Like, you know, what can be done first, what can be done last. And that's the big, you know, that's, that's the job of, um, the production, um, the product, the producers and most of all the executive producers. So that includes DB, Dan and, um, and, uh, Bernie Caulfield. That's her name, Bernie Caulfield. And she's director of this documentary. Uh, but you've also got Brian Cogman, who's one of the early writers in the early seasons. And uh, of course, you've got the um, and also consultant George R. R. Martin. Uh, but she, you're mostly following her around because she's pretty much you know juggling all these plates. Um, she's going from like different sets and talking to different people. You also follow the extra that's been on all of the uh, on all the um, on a few episodes, um, but a, a, a quite a bit actually as a, as a start guy, a start extra. His name is Andy Andy Clay. Uh, you, you actually follow him around for a few episodes. Um, I believe you follow him from uh, the first episode, the was just titled Winterfell. Then you get um, the Long Night and uh, the Bells, and then the finale. And then you see their kind of goodbyes. You get a lovely, you get the goodbyes between Amelia and her head and head hair and makeup. Um, you f- just you follow a lot of people that have worked really really hard on this show for about ten years. Um, Sorry, eight years, sorry. Have worked in the show for about, you know, seven or eight years. 
and you just see how much dedication and um, just effort has gone into this season from these particular people. Um, one of my favorite people watching was um, the production designer, who the head production designer of Game of Thrones, um, Deborah Riley. And uh, she is also from Australia. So um, watching her go through a lot of things, I mean, King's Landing, the set of King's Landing was built over seven months. And then it was finally ready to shoot, I believe, uh, like before. Um, I think it was mid last year or something like that. Um, but, you know, the, the, the hard work that went into that, she preparing for that, lots of floor plans and everything. And uh, you just see everything. You even see how the Night King gets dressed and how he interacts with the fans. He's actually one of the stunt people of the uh, of the team as well. And I just thought it was a, um, even though it goes for, it does go for about an hour and 52 minutes, it's a very, very interesting documentary on one of the greatest television shows of all time and how that final season, however bad it was, uh, was made and helped, you know, helped make by a lot of dedicated people um, through a lot of um, teamwork and collaboration. So it, um, it provides a lot of insight into what, um, what went through there. So even if you've watched the um, even if you've watched the finale, and maybe you weren't too um, pleased by it. I'd suggest giving the last watch a go, especially if you're a Game of Thrones fan, especially if you love behind the scenes stuff and what goes into the filmmaking behind it all. Um, I think the last watch is, is a really good documentary. Um, it's kind of like the extended version of like you know if you if you watched the uh, Game Revealed, they started doing Game Revealed in season seven. And then into season eight, if you watch those game reveal, which were about half an hour long, forty minutes long, um, they were they were released on YouTube from the official Game of Thrones channel. If you watch those, it's kind of like a very very long extended version of uh, those, and it's um it's got a lot of stuff in it. So get ready for that. There's a lot of things going on: hair and makeup, props, costumes, pretty much everything in the production that you see. Um, location manager is one, one of my little favorite little. She's a bit of a character that location manager. Um, but she was she was funny too, and then of course you get all the interactions of all the main actors like Amelia Clark, Kit Arrington, Macy Williams, Sophie Turner, um, a lot of people, Peter Conliffe, all those people. So I recommend giving it a watch, even if you if you, if you even if you weren't um, so uh, impressed with the final season. Right, let's get on to our films. Let's get on to them. Uh, I'm going to start with Greta. Um, so Greta is directed by Neil Jordan. It's written by Ray White and Neil Jordan. It stars Isabel Huppert and uh, Gloria Grace Moretz. Michael Monroe is also in the film. as a bit of a side role as her friend, um, Erica. And uh, I thought this movie was... It was alright. Um, I wasn't going high hopes into it. Um, but I, th I thought it was good. Um... I enjoyed I enjoyed most parts of it. I thought Isabel Huppert's performance was really really good, and I really liked Chloe Grace Moretz's performance, even though I think her best is in um, Miss Education at Cameron Post. But um, I enjoyed her in this too. It's about a young woman that finds a briefcase, um, briefcase, a handbag, sorry, a black handbag on a train, and then tracks it back to uh, Isabel's character, who plays um, Greta, Greta Hedeg. And um, Greta Hedeg has, you know, they've both got a, some tragic pasts 
and they have a bit of connection and they become friends. And then, you know, it gets a little weird when Greta starts, you know, interrupt, interrupting uh, Francis, who's played by Chloe Grace Moretz, her life a bit more. She's getting a bit, a bit overbearing and then uh, things take a things take a bit of a turn when a certain choice is made from Francis in the film. Um, so yeah, I thought the performances were good. I thought the script was a bit predictable. There was a lot of things that I knew it was going to happen and come. Um, Michael Monroe's okay. I usually do like her, but some films she does, she is a bit hit or miss with me. Um, I mean, her best is It Follows, but um, yeah, she's a bit of hit or miss with me. Uh, and this this one's a bit more of a miss. She's pretty much a side character, just her best friend. And she, I'd say that she's the audience's mouthpiece saying like, oh, that's fucking creepy. Like, why are you doing that? You know that she's controlling you, right? And she's, you know, she's not going to, you know, <laughs> let you go free. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I just thought the, um, I thought the script was just, just a bit predictable. It could have been better. There's a lot of cliches in it. And, um, but there are good moments of tension and that stems from Isabel's performance and Chloe's performance. And, uh, those moments of tension are well executed, I think. But I just think in between those, the meat in between, I think, um, there's a lot of scenes as well. And there's a lot of choices as well made by Francis that just didn't make any sense. Um, and, um, I don't know. She, you feel, you feel like she's kind of not stupid, but a bit naive at times. And it's kind of hard to follow her choices and, and reconcile those choices that she makes. Um, but, you know, I thought, I thought it was fine. I thought it was fine. But if you want to give Greta a go, um, I think it's an okay thriller. You'll probably have a good time. I didn't think it was a waste of time at all. It only goes for not 90 minutes anyway. So um, I think you'll have a good time of it. If you do like this kind of stuff, especially if you like Chloe Grace Moretz and if you like um, Isabel Huppert, who, um, as you guys know was in, um, I think it was, um, uh, what was that, what was that movie that she was in, and she got that, was she nominated for the Oscar for that, yeah, I think she was, the lead actress, um, and she was nominated for the Oscar for, I think it was L. yeah, there it is, L. um, yeah, so if you liked her in that, you'll like her in this, I think she's a standout in this film anyway, moving on, I finally last week saw um, Detective Pikachu. It's been out since the 10th of May, and um, it wasn't until last week when I was asked by, you know, a friend that I haven't seen in a very long time who I love very much. She um, messaged me out of the blue, and she was like, "Well, want to see Detective Pikachu?" And I was like, "Yeah, I haven't seen. No one wants to, uh, you know, no one wants to come along and watch it." Um, and I'm most and the people that I did want to watch it with have already seen it already, so. Uh, Sure, why not? Let's go. And had a lovely dinner beforehand at the um, Burger Rouge at, um, at Green Hills. Burger Rouge at Green Hills. Great place. Affordable food. Um, I thought the burgers were pretty, very decently priced. And um, I had the El Diablo with the chocolate milkshake. Uh, I didn't have the chips because I thought the burger was enough. But, um, you know, after having that, that meal, I was like, oh, fucking, maybe I should have got the chips. <laughs> Um, I thought it was um, well worth the price. Uh, and what, what I ended up paying, I was like, wow, that's, that's brilliant. So um, very happy with that. And it was a nice kind of uh, entree, I guess, to Detective Pikachu, which we'll get to talking about 
right about now. Um, so, <laughs> Detective Pikachu is direct, uh, directed by Robert Letterman. It's written by De- Dan Hernandez and Benji Semet. stars Ryan Reynolds, Justice Smith, Catherine Newton. And uh, another actor, but I can't disclose his name because that's a bit of a spoiler, I think, because he's not, not in the trailers. So I'll just let you know there's another one in there that you might have seen from before, especially a few iconic movies, and I don't want to no, tell you what's in there. And it's about uh, Tim, Tim Goodman, his father has disappeared in a bit of an accident. He finds a, um, a Pikachu who can talk to him. And that was his father's partner. And it's all set in Rhyme City where like all the humans need to have Pokemon trainers, um, Pokemon as them as their partners. And uh, Tim comes from a city where Pokemon in the wild and he works more of like a, I guess a Pokemon trainer, but he doesn't want to be anyone who wants to catch Pokemon. He doesn't want to be a person who wants to catch Pokemon. But he has to learn to get along with Ryan Reynolds' Pikachu to solve the mystery. Um, this movie was very—it was a very fun time. I'll say it's a very fun time. Um, I didn't like the humans because I think they could have been a bit more developed, um, especially for a noir story. I thought it was a bit very is pretty predictable. However, I did see—I did not see that second twist coming. Um, I'm sorry if that's a bit of a spoiler to people just mentioning that there's a twist because I know people are very um, sensitive to that, so I apologize for that. But um, I liked that. I really liked how... I mean, you come for the Pokemon anyway, so I really liked how the Pokemon, like, that inhabit the film. Uh, they have much a lot of creative uses. You have, like, the, the Squirtles and the Blastoises as uh, firefighters. You have Jigglypuffs and karaoke bars putting people to sleep. You've got uh, Charmers and the night markets heating up some food for people. And, um, you know, you can tell that everyone really gets along in Rhyme City. And, and there's, a, there's a world that um, the director builds and the writers build that, that even if you don't, are not a fan of Pokemon, and if you haven't played the, um, if you haven't played the games or watched any of the animated films, uh, I think you can, like, have, still have an enjoyable time here because they set up the world... Um, just enough that you can you, you kind of know what's going on even if you just see these animals for the first time and you're like what the fuck's a Pokemon and then now you kind of you know understand after watching the film you're like oh okay this is pretty cool that might be that might give you incentive to play the games and watch the films and do something like that I mean especially the games I mean they're I've played just about all of them uh, I think I've haven't only I don't think I've played X and Y and uh, I believe it was black and white I missed those ones but I've played about just about every generation but I just don't I'm not like hardcore into it but um, I still like noticed a lot of Pokemon in the film I was like oh that's that that's that from that that's that from that and I will say there's a lot of generation Pokemon that's going to please a lot of Pokemon fans um, if you're a fan of Gen 1 if you're a fan of like the later generations you're going to get you're going to get your, your fair share of um, Pokemon here. You're going to get your, your, your fair mix. Um, and I think you'll be pretty satisfied with what you get in the end product. Um, I just wish the humans were a bit better. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't particularly like Justice Smith. Um, I, never, I didn't like him in Jurassic World. Um, he's, when, he gets, when he has to play emotional moments here, I just didn't think he hit it so hard. Um, I normally like Catherine Newton, but I thought her character was a bit... I don't know if her character was written so... Uh, on, w- written like that on purpose. She's very confronting and she's very like she's very quirky and bubbly, but that, in, in a very confronting way, like it, it seems a bit off-putting. 
but uh, so I was just kind of like, like, is he supposed to be like this? Like, or is, is this just like overacting? I wasn't too sure. So, I mean, that kind of um, confused me a bit. So the humans are just like, I don't know. They kind of secondary to me. It's the Pokemon that you focus on in this movie. And the, and the bloody animators make sure that these Pokemon look cute as fuck. Like, you know, big bulgy eyes, great features. So the film is so colorful as well, when it, especially when it comes to the wild, um, like when you're outside of the city, but especially when you get into the city, there's a lot of colors, a lot of... I liked the use of neon in this film. And um, it, it does lend itself to um, to that, like, the, the noir kind of genre. I just wish more was done in terms of a noir story, a noir mystery. Um, because, like, one of my some of my, one of my favorite genre, um, subgenres, sorry, is a mystery or, or, or a noir detective story. So I just wish more was done in terms of that kind of storyline. And um, more things happen there. But... I will say, loved the Pokemon. Um, loved Ryan Reynolds' Pikachu, but I will say that Psyduck is the best part of the film for me, um, who's um, Lucy's um, Pokemon, Pokemon partner. And she's played by you know, Catherine Newton. She's the uh, news reporter. And, um, you know, you get a lot of laughs there. Uh, one of my favorite scenes was the Mr. Mime scene as well. There's an interrogation scene with Mr. Mime that was brilliant and very, very funny. Laughed, laughed out loud. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you get a lot of moments like that. It does get a little emotional at times as well. I just didn't think that was as effective as the, as the, uh, the, um, uh, the, um, you know, that, the happy stuff <laughs> with all the Pokemon and, uh, all the cute shit going on, especially with, um, all them looking at you. Oh, there's even like a Snorlax in the middle of the road. There's Machamps directing traffic. I mean, it's 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 so cool. It's very very cool, and you, you know you can gush about all the Pokemon all day. But uh, as just as a detect detective story, I just wish it could have been a bit better in that regard. Uh, but as my friend has quoted, it's better than the Got finale. So <laughs> there you go. That's Detective Pikachu. Um, it's still in cinemas. You go and check it out. And um, I, I, I do recommend it. I do recommend it. And finally, ladies and gentlemen, let's talk about what is my monthly recommendation um, for this month, for May. Let's talk about a little film called Booksmart. Um, it's directed by Olivia Wilde. It's written by Susanna Fogel, uh, Emily Halpin, Sarah Haskins, and Kate Silberman. Um, and it's about two girls, Amy and Molly, who are on their last day of senior, of senior year in high school, and they're about to graduate the next day. I mean, it kind of makes sense from being the last day, but, uh, they find out from, like, pretty much everyone around them that even, even the bad people partied and are still getting into good schools. So... Molly hatches a plan for them to go to a one big party on the last night before graduation so they can feel, I mean, they, I guess they can feel like they've um, had their fair share of it. I guess they can feel not left out and feel like they have partied and have experienced it all, but also are going to good schools. I mean, they're both going to Yale in the film. 
And, um, no, sorry, uh, Molly's going to Yale. I think, uh, Amy's going to Columbia, I believe. Um, but there's also something else going on with Amy that I don't want to mention, but, um, first of all, Amy and Molly prayed brilliantly by, uh, Caitlin Deaver and Beanie Feldstein. Um, they give, they give like such a, a lived in performance. They make, they make these characters feel like, I mean, they have, they have lives. Like I really felt like I knew them. Um, they bounce off it off each other so well because of the great dialogue they're given by these four ladies um, really like the script and the dialogue they were given and uh, they have such great chemistry on screen together and they're like a, just, a, just a fucking fire and all cylinders dynamic duo and it's like it's no wonder they became such great friends after the film was made um, you can definitely tell from on screen and that's and that's also um given more life from Olivia Wilde's directing and she and she makes this film very unique on it, on its own in her regard as well it works in her, a lot of her favor um I'm I've always been a, I've always been a fan of Olivia Wilde ever since uh, I've seen her you know in a, in a lot of movies really I've been a fan of her acting I think the most recent film I saw her in was a Vigilante which is a bit of an indie, independent film but I um, still enjoyed her in that I liked the I liked that movie uh but Ever since hearing about a film that she did, I never knew that she had directed a film or made make, making a film. I wasn't you know wasn't checking on DB and just seeing what was going on. So when I found out that there's a film at South by Southwest directed by Olivia Wilde, starring Caitlin Deaver and Bernie Feldstein, I love. First of all, I love Caitlin Deaver as well. Um, Short and Twelve, Men, Women, and Children. Um, she's I think she's a young a great young actress, and. Um, Benny Feldstein, I haven't seen much before, but this is definitely a standout um, for her for in this this movie. She's she's fantastic in this film. Um, they're also they're all surrounded also surrounded well by such a such an iconic now. I think because some of the people that are in the in this ensemble cast are like there's a lot of lesser known people in there. You might even not recognize their names. Billy Lord, you might recognize, but a, a lot of them around them, you might not even know. Um, but I mean, after seeing this movie, I think they're going to be iconic and I think they're going to be, uh, a remembered ensemble cast. I mean, just think of like the ensemble cast that surrounded the people in Superbad and, um, and you'd be like, oh, and I think this is this generation's kind of, it's, it, I wouldn't say this generation's super bad, but when it comes to kind of like a teen comedy with a coming of age feel, I think this movie is going to take the cake. This going to, this one's going to be... Um, a, a, t a talked about film for a very long time and, and, and talking about Superbad um, people have been um, touting that this is kind of the female Superbad and I, I saw a lot of um, you know poor quotes saying that and um, yeah look I will say that it has the vulgarity of Superbad and it's gross out moments um, especially it's script having a lot of you know language in it but it's also got the character depth of... Um, it just reminded me of Lady Bird, especially how it looked as well. It's a great-looking film as well. I, 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 I was guessing if it was shot on film, but um, I wasn't too sure. But it just looks really great. I think the, the shots that Olivia Wilde chooses and and um, the composition as well, the framing, just some lovely stuff. I noticed a few weird edits here and there, of a few cuts um, that kind of like a bit, a bit jarring to me. 
But um, that was easily pushed aside by how much good is in this film, how much good I um, recognise in this movie. Um, so, I, like, it's... I want to talk about I want to talk about one of my favourite characters, which is uh, Gigi, played by Billy Lord. I haven't heard of her before. But she is... When you come out of that movie and you start talking about Billy Lord and start quoting her, and I will say, this movie is very quotable as well. There's a lot of quotes that you're going to be seeing right now. I already mentioned a quote in my um, monthly recommendation on Instagram. But um, her character is just fucking hilarious. <laughs> and uh, she's this kind of gypsy kind of witch lady. <laughs> and uh, she just pops up every now and then. But she has such funny lines. And the way that Billy Lord betrays this character uh, was just, just fucking, it was just fucking hilarious. It was, it was hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. Um, you also got Jason Sudeikis here, who is Olivia Wilde's husband in real life. He plays the school principal. He's got some great moments in the film as well. Um, and it's just, it's, it's, it's very, going back to what I said before, it's, it's very, very funny. It's got the feel of super bad, but it's got, as I said, it, it kind of reminded me of Ladybird. There's a, when you've got the mother and daughter relationship of um, Ladybird and her mother, and then you've got, um, but this one focuses on instead of the the uh, like. Uh, family dynamic it focuses on a friendship dynamic between you know a best friendship dynamic a um you know an, an unbroken bond between amy and molly and uh i just thought it just nailed that in that regard and then hearing especially after hearing that olivia wilde researched dazed and confused and well, did her research in these films and then found that this was kind of like dazed and confused you want to kind of make it like that I mean, I got that feel as well, especially from, you know, it being the last day of school, having that come of age of feel, I was like, this is, this is Days of Confused. It really is. And when you meld Superbad, Lady Bird, and Days of Confused together, I think you get book smart. And um, directed by, you know, wonderfully directed by Olivia Wilde, uh, led by two fantastic young women. And, um, and such a great script, filled with such a memorable ensemble cast. You're gonna be you're gonna be quoting this movie for days when you watch it. I think um, I've already seen it twice, and um, it's one of the best movies I've seen this year. It's definitely the best movie I've seen in May. That's why it's a monthly recommendation. Uh, if I've got a few qualms with it, um, there's a scene in the end where um, there's a scene in the end where uh, Molly and Amy are having a bit of an argument, and. First of all, I thought it was just great how they're going off each other, and the dialogue was great there as well. And then the the, the music kind of comes in, it swells in, and then it, it plays over their um, silent dialogue. Um, I, I know people people have mentioned this already, but I noticed it as well. I'm not really a fan of that stuff. I like to hear I like to hear the words coming out of the characters' mouths. Um, sometimes that can work, sometimes it can't. But for me, it just it just doesn't work for me. Um, I like to hear the words coming out of their mouths. So, um, that, I didn't really like that bit. There's also a few moments as well where there was just a little too much music. I think they could have cooled it on the music, but, um, it's just, it was just unfortunate for that argument scene because before that was such a brilliant scene, um, in a pool, which I won't even spoil at all, but it's in a pool. It's got, um, and, and Caitlin Devo's performance and that is great. And that, that just scene was so well executed by Olivia. Um, it was just unfortunate that after that, having another iconic scene between two characters was kind of diminished 
by um, a bit of post-production uh, stuff. But um, but guys, I will say, one of the best films of the year. It's one of the funniest films I've seen in a very, very long time. Um, I, I even just... I was even talking about the other day, a few days ago, we were talking about the best comedies in the last decade. And um, we went through a list and everything like that. And this this movie could probably... It could probably fit the mold. It could probably fit the lists. It um, it's definitely got that feel, and it's definitely got that. Um, it's it could be it could be iconic. It, I I think that especially for young women, this is going to be this is this is their super bad. I, it, like to reiterate what people have said already, this is their super bad, and this is what they're going to be. This is their film. Like it's it's really their film, and I loved how this film celebrates in friendship in such a special and unique way. Um, I know all my my female friends. I, I I cannot wait for them to see it, so we can have a chat about it because um, there's definitely a lot to talk about and a lot to laugh about about Booksmart. So, yeah, it when it comes out, do see it. It is it's a really really great film, and um, I can't wait to see Olivia Wilde put gets her hands on next because. I think she's got a promising start in directing. So, right. Those are out of the way. Um, I want to talk about... Something's been on my mind, right? Something's been on my mind for a while. Um, and it's these fucking Spider-Man Far From Home posters. <laughs> I'm not too sure if they've been talked about to death already, but they're just so... They're just so fucking bland and uninteresting. Um, I mean, especially you got with what you got with the um, teaser poster for Spider-Man: Homecoming. You know when you got um, Spider-Man the yellow jacket and, and you you got him laying down. I believe it's like before a pool or something like that. You got the Avengers Tower in the background, and that's such a great teaser poster. And then they bring out like the real poster for. Um, for homecoming and it's just fucking filled with so many characters it's just feels there's like so much shit going on in one one frame and uh it just looks very terribly photoshopped um this is the same but it's even more bland and uninteresting it's just back shots i mean it's just the three characters um fury um peter and beck who's mysterio i mean you something like jackson tom holland and jake Hall, just looking back and that's it and then you got their singular carry poses which are them looking back and there's just there's just nothing there I just didn't feel anything it didn't really unlike the trailer it didn't like light a fire in me I was like oh shit this is a movie I gotta watch so I'm just I'm just I just I fucking hate them <laughs> like I'm not gonna do you know put a petition up to change them or anything like that but I just not a fan of what they're doing there with those posters, and it, it's it's just seems like, I mean Marvel sometimes usually has a great poster, um I, I although I do like the fan posters way better than what Marvel does. I mean the fan posters that you see from each each film, I think are just fucking fantastic. Um, but there are posters that I do like from Marvel. I mean, it's really like most film posters, really. I like the alternate um, takes on what you get. You get a lot of um, 
I mean, there's a really great essay on YouTube. I think it's by Nerve Writer One, I believe, and it's about um, it's either him or Good Bad Good Bad Flicks, and it's talking about um, how film posters have changed and how they've become so um, I mean, you know, just just kind of by the numbers, really. Um, all the colors used as well are they kind of the same. You kind of see a bit of a trend when you're looking through them. Um, I think it's good bad flicks. I think. I think it's good bad flicks. If you go on good bad flicks and you look at you try to find a trailer, what happened to movie posters? I mean, it's like I think it's WTF happened to movie posters. Uh, that's a really good video, and it goes through like the kind of trend we're getting with movie posters nowadays. You got like floating heads. You've got back to back. You kind of go through all of those. And you discover that there's a lot of posters that use that kind of style, use the same colors, teal and orange being the big one. And just how, you know, boring they've become. And when you look at back the films from like, you know, the 19... I mean, let's just talk about the 1970s. And then to like... I mean, well, fuck it. Let's go back to the 1950s. To the early 2000s. Those posters... I mean, when we started getting the early 2000s, that's when they started getting a bit cheesy. But um, you look at those posters, so artistic, and that's why I look forward to seeing alternate posters for films because I think that, you know, people that have, you know, have those creative, you know, impulses, they're they're able to do something that's much more interesting than what the marketing team can do for a film nowadays. And so that's why I look to make, you know, mo most of my posters, you know, unique and not just like two characters together and I try to make them... I mean, I'm not too... I, I, I consider myself pretty good at Photoshop, but I don't really um, think of myself as a master because I don't... Most people like to use Illustrator, and um, I'm not too well-versed in Illustrator. I think I need to learn it, but... Um, yeah, I, I just think that posters nowadays have just gone... They just, they just look... Some of them just look shit, but there are also some that look great. I mean, for example, you look at the Far From Home poster, right? So look at this. Two movies I watched last night were Greta and Chopping Mall. And Chopping Mall is from 1986. Now, I just want you to do your favor. Well, you, well, you listen to this podcast. Go on Google. Search up the Greta, Greta poster. Now, you look at the Greta poster. And it's it's an interesting poster because it's... it's I mean, because it, it's got, uh, you know, Greta Hedeg. It's got Greta Hedeg. And then Chloe Grace Moretz, but it's very, you know, it's, it's pop with the yellow. The yellow makes it pop. Um, but it's very, I mean, that could be easily, to me, that can be easily done in Photoshop. I mean, that's just halving your head and then adding a blood splatter effect and then putting Chloe Grace Moretz in the, in the background there. Um, and then you look at the teaser poster and it's just, I don't know, it's just much more interesting. Um, that's why I, sometimes I just like teaser, teaser posters are better than their, their official posters. Um, you've got the hook. It's just simple. It's it's a hook on a line and a bag, and that tells you everything. To me, that tells you everything what you're going to expect in this kind of film. Um, it's like bait, and then the line. It's like a fishing line, and she's going. You know, she's leaving at bait, and you take the bait, and that's exactly what happens in the plot. So you look at that. You look at that official poster from Greta. Now look at. Now do me a favor. Go on Google and research, and search uh, Chopping Mall poster, 1986. So Chopping Mall 1986 poster. Look at that. Look at that. And first of all, what a fucking great slogan when shopping costs you an arm and a leg. And then you've got the red bag. You've got a robot arm, a, a severed robot arm. 
with the red bag, you've got someone's looks like someone's face in there with the eye. Um, and then, you know, you, you've got your uh, your block text there, but um, I mean, even Chopping Mall as well looks just so. It's it just pops, man. It pops with the black. I mean, it, it's a bit dark. I mean, they've made it a bit dark blue, haven't they? Uh, but it just looks so much better and so much more creative compared to, you know, Greta's poster or fucking worse, Spider-Man Far From Home. So I guess what I'm trying to, like, say is, like, just... I just wish posters were more, much more creative, a bit more artistic. Um, but, you know, it, it could come with, like, more time that, you know, the marketing team needs or anything like that. Um... You know, it could come with you know, restraints like that. They don't get the right budget. But it, even if, like, I'm making, for example, I'm making um, slip covers as a hobby at the moment for my, my Blu-rays. Um, so until I get, you know, a second job where it gets, it gets me a, a bit of money, I can go and get the printing paper and, and actually make them. I'm just creating them in Photoshop. And, um, you know, I, I think just in Photoshop, you can, you can kind of make like a just a better post than what you see. I mean, um, I mean you, you can definitely make a better Spider-Man Far From Home trailer. And I'm already seeing like different alternate posters on Google that are just miles ahead of what we've got there with the official poster for Far From Home. So, yeah. This, this man just wishes posters were more artistic and, you know, just looks more... Just looks good. Just looks good. That's all I want to see. I want to see that. I mean, look at fucking... Look at Child's Play's marketing. That's fucking... It's awesome, because it's going up against Quote Story 4 when it comes out in cinemas. And you've got the first one with um, Chucky. You get the first one in the box. Interesting. What's going on there? Oh, there's a, there's a doll in there. It looks, looks like a bit of a threat. And we all know it's a remake of Child's Play, but... You know, that's what you kind of get that vibe when you look in that poster. Then you... Then you... Because... What the marketing team does is, oh, we're going up against Toy Story Four. Let's do, let's do something different. Let's 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 fuck with these people. Let's ruin some childhoods. <laughs> um, you've got them. I mean, the first one was Chucky having a, like Woody's arm or leg, and uh, it looks. I mean, it looks. First of all, it looks fucked. <laughs> and you're like, oh shit, he killed Woody. And then you've got the next one where he's roasting um, Slinky Dog over the fire. So yeah, that was... Um, that was I mean, they're doing a good job. That's how you do marketing. So I just wish Marvel just uh, be a bit more creative. Just be a bit, bit, bit more creative. How about that? That'd be, that'd be cool if you could do that. <laughs> Especially with your posters. Um, and finally, guys, let's talk about the trials that come out this week. Um, I want to talk about Terminator Dark Fate. Um, yeah, it looks eh. I'm not really a fan of the Terminator series, so it doesn't really interest me that much. Um, there's a lot of CGI in that trailer. There's not much story to it, I don't think. You get Sarah Connor back, I guess, from Linda Hamilton reprising her role again. Um, again, I'm not, but I'm not, I don't really feel like I can talk about it too much because I'm not really a fan of Terminator, so... I know for the fans of Terminator that they wanted, um, you know, they, uh, 
they're excited for it, but they, I know that some that do want more to it. It's a very CGI-heavy trailer. I do like Mackenzie Davis, though. I really like Mackenzie Davis, so... Um, you know, it's... Um, she looks interesting, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> um, the Toy Story 4 final trailer came out as well. A lot of spotlight on Bo Peep. Um, you get a bit of Key and Peele comedy there as well. Um, you know, it's looking good. Tom Hanks says this is the uh, this is supposed to be the final movie and it's it's going to have an emotional goodbye to it. But then I looked at like a press release from uh, not a press release, sorry, maybe a comment from Pixar Disney saying that they're they're not ruling out a possibility for Toy Story Five. And I was like, um. Uh, yeah, I don't think we nearly need one. We were really into Toy Story Four, but if Tom Hanks feels like this is this is it, this is the emotional goodbye, then I'm okay with watching Toy Story Four. The trailers look interesting. I'm still gonna go see it because um, I'm a big fan of Toy Story. So um, yeah, I, like I don't think we really need, need a Toy Story Five, but you know they want my money, so of course, of course they're gonna keep going. But that's interesting if they are. Uh, do get um, Tom Hanks back again, especially after saying that this is supposed to be the last one. Um, it'd be interesting to see if they get him back again. Uh, but yeah, it looks it looks good. It looks good. I'm I'm not completely sold, but I'm like yeah, I'll st- I'm still going to go see it. Um, I'm going anyway to the um, opening night, so uh, when it comes out here in Australia, so um, I'll have I'll have a um, review for you guys when that comes out. Um, some thoughts. Um, can't really call these things reviews, can we? There's just a lot of discombobulated thoughts coming from my head. Um, because <laughs> it's not very structured, is it? So we're talking about that when it comes out. Looks good. I'll just say it looks good. I like the thing on... I like Duke Kaboom. He gets a bit of a um, spotlight here. Keanu Reeves' character, his new toy character. Duke Kaboom looks pretty funny. Um... And Bo Pete looking badass, must say. Badass. Love how she's getting a bit of a uh, change-up for this one. And it'll be interesting to see how, see how the story goes. It f- seems to be about the Forky. A bit of existential crisis. So it'll be interesting to see how they um, they handle that and see how, um, and especially see how they execute it. So that's that. And finally, guys... I want to talk about my most anticipated film of the year released its first trailer um, last week. It's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's Quentin Tarantino's ninth film. You've got Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, Al Pacino, Margot Robbie. The list goes on and on. <laughs> this movie looks... I'm so fucking pumped for this movie. Uh, I'm not putting my expectations like crazy high, but we got a... I mean, you guys probably heard about the six-minute ovation that it got at um, Cairns. I know that Parasite won the Palm Door at Cairns, but um, you know, Quentin got a, um, a you know a pretty good reception, I guess, at uh, Cairns. It's looking like another standout performance from DiCaprio, another performance, another great performance from um, Pitt, and. Uh, I mean the trail that sheds a bit more light on the uh, the story. Um, there's a bit more footage of Sharon Tate, Margot Robbie's Sharon Tate, in the trailer, and 
It just looks like a good time. I can't. I cannot wait for it. I heard that Tarantino is actually making it longer, um, especially after the viewing at Cannes. He's going to make it a bit longer. He's going to add some bits in that he might have cut out. So, yeah. Um, I mean, whatever cut it is, I'm just keen to see it. I'm going to go as soon as tickets become available. Your boys in the seats. That's what's happening right there. Um, any any Tarantino film that comes out straight there, day one, hello. There you go. Get the popcorn. Um, very, very keen for this one. It's number one for a reason. Um, it's funny when I look back on my list as well, when um, there's a certain films like they had, they had like Above Parabellum, um, John Wick Chapter 3, and I'm like, oh, that could have been higher. <laughs> like Parabellum could have been higher than those ones because they were quite disappointing. But um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood stays at the top. But will it stay at the top in the top 10 of the year? Well, we'll find out when that comes out, eh? Um, when I finally get my tickets to that. Speaking of tickets, so I had a um, an interesting discussion with a friend, um, my uh, housemate. And uh, he was like, he was saying that he only goes to the movies a few times a year. So he's, you know, we talked about all the money he was probably saving from that. And he goes, well, how much money do you think you would have saved if you didn't, um, if you didn't buy movie tickets last year or this year, and um, I did the calculations, um, just gotta get it it's underneath the microphone there. Now I did the calculations. Listen to this, right? So this year I've already, I've already spent one hundred thirty-six dollars on movie tickets, and um, because that that includes the two repeat. The repeat screening of um, fucking Avengers Endgame, and those tickets were fourteen bucks each. I mean, because most tickets, ticket prices are fourteen dollars, um, and then there's like, there's a rarity that I go to an event and pay the ten because of um, the Cinebuzz price. Excuse me, um, but it's mostly about fourteen dollars, so it does you know it does that up in the end. About 136, but what was interesting was I went through last year's and you know did all those calculations and holy shit, <laughs> I could have bought a switch with the money I saved. <laughs> um, again, looking at movie tickets that were 14 dollars, even 20, um, doing the Titan screenings for movies as well, and I mean last year I was living in Sydney as well, so I mean their 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 prices are pretty fucking insane. Event prices at George Street about 22 bucks. $542 I spent on movie tickets last year. $542. I mean, that's just crazy. And I was just saying to myself, fuck, I just could have bought a Switch. Some games. But, um, you know, that's my life. That's my life. I do not regret a single ticket. Um, this year, I might regret one or two, but... You know, still got to see those films and you know warn you guys about them, I guess, and don't not going to spend your money on them. But so I had to do it myself. But uh, yeah, I mean, this this is what I do. This is um, even if it's you know nearly nearly five hundred fifty dollars. Um, you know, and this is this is this is my life. This is what I love doing, and this is that this spending this amount of money on movie tickets is um. It's the fucking best, man. Because you go to see 
all of the latest films. You get to, you get to see all the independent ones. And um, you get to talk about them. You get to fucking talk about them because you've seen them. And especially with like the same people that share the same interests as you and uh, you know uh, might have seen the same films, you get to talk about them as well when they've seen them. Um, Cindy Film Fest is coming up. There's a lot of films playing there, especially Parasite, which um, again won the Palm d'Or at the um, Cannes Film Festival. And that's um, Boon, Boon Jong-ho, who did uh, Snowpiercer. So, uh, you know, there's a, and there's a lot of films. I mean, I think uh, uh, Britney Runs a Marathon's playing there as well. Um, I, I've already seen High Life. We talked about High Life a few weeks ago. But I've got... Um, I mean, there's quite, there's quite a few there that... Um, and with the Nightingale, we had a trailer come out for that as well. And then, and, you know, The Dead Don't Die, Jim Jarmusch's new one. Um, so there's a, quite a few there. Um, Souvenir, that play at Sundance. And uh, I think I'm... I, I could... I think I missed out on the Flexi Pass. But um, I've got a bit of a um, bit of a housewarming party coming up next week. So I don't think I'll be able to get that Flexi Pass anyway. But... Um, and we'll find some ways around that. Just try to see those films. We'll see what happens. That's what happens. Life's a crazy thing, ladies and gentlemen. You find you can maneuver your way through stuff, and you can um, <laughs> try to find your. <laughs> I'm not even. I, I'm not even going to try to finish that one. That's um, that's some wisdom that um, <laughs> should be wasted. Jesus Christ! What the fuck am I trying to sound like? But <laughs> anyway, guys, that's going to wrap it up for this podcast for this week. Um, uh, go see Greta if you like a bit of a thriller. If you want this, you want, you want something, um, you want a bit of tension, feel a bit of tension. I think Greta's not not too much of a waste of time. Uh, I think Detective Pikachu is a fun time to have in the cinema. And of course, when Booksmart comes out, um, definitely go see that. I mean, that's one of the best movies of the year. Um, in my opinion, it may be, you know, it could be top 10. We don't know yet. We don't want to get too excited, but uh, it's a very, very fun film and you're not going to regret watching it. it it's a fucking, fucking great time. And I, again, I can't wait to see what Olivia Wilde gets her hands on next and Caitlin D and Bernie Feldstein knock that shit out of the park. Um, love what they do. And... Um, are you looking forward to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Are you looking forward to... Even if you're looking forward to the Terminator Dark Fate? Who's looking forward to Toy Story 4? Lion King coming out in July as well. And then... Um, who else hates those Far From Home posters? Let me know. Uh, send me an... Um, chuck me a DM for Instagram at KC at the Movies Podcast. Don't send it to my personal one. I mean, you can send it to if you want to, but... Um, the new one, if you want to talk directly to the podcast, is just KC Movies Podcast on Instagram. Go follow that. And all the episodes that we uploaded, you get all the updates there. Um, send, me, send me questions through there. Inbox inbox the public page, Cole Cruz, on Facebook. Don't don't inbox the my personal one. Um, it's the one with me drinking a Coca-Cola and a fucking astro- astronaut helmet. So... Um, message through there, ask some questions through there, and guys, tomorrow, I'll be doing a Q&A on Instagram, and, and if you guys want to send me some questions, I'll do this on my personal account, um, if you guys want to do 
send us some questions about films or anything that you want to know about any films from this month or really anything you want to ask some questions about my life or anything like that don't be afraid to get too personal as well I'm a bit of an open book so uh, um, send those through I'll put a little question thing up um, later today um, I keep saying tomorrow but it's um, it's going to be later today because it's only about 4 o'clock in the morning so send those through and I'll try to answer all of, um, all of them I know I missed one last time so sorry um, Hamish <laughs> for missing that one um, I'll get to you if you send another one in this time mate I'll definitely get to you and um, answer those questions but um, I really like the questions last time that was sent in there were some interesting interesting ones there were some you know, there's they're gonna get you're gonna get your uh, your um, your silly ones, but they're great to um, you know you knock those ones out. So yeah, send those through to the uh, personal one, or uh, if you want to answer some, if you want to ask any other questions, especially about the podcast, um, it's the podcast one on Instagram, KC Movies Podcast Instagram. And uh, make sure you follow the podcast on Spotify again, KC at the Movies Podcast or KC Movies Podcast, and uh, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Make sure you follow us there. Um, this podcast will be uploaded in about what's say about fifteen minutes. So if you want to check on, you know, from from now, uh, you can go on Spotify and it'll be there for you when you get up in the morning. Um, if you want to hear a good dose of uh, yours truly. I mean, I'm not everyone's taste, but, uh, yeah, I like to think I offer some more, um, unique perspectives on things, but, you know, not to, not to get it, not to get too egocentric, but, uh, we have, we, we have some fun here. We have some fun on this one. So I uh, make sure you follow Spotify, subscribe on the podcast, follow the Instagram page, KC Movies Podcast, and guys, I will talk to you next week.